Brought to you, as always, by our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag. Use the code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. A new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Once again, use the code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. From football to basketball, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Once again, Bet Online, where the game starts. Use the code CLNS50 for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Here we are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Here we are. That's, that's a good way to start this off. Bring on the bucks. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start. You know, I, I, I don't like hyperbole, but you can say this is as, ba- as bad or if not one of the worst Patriots performances we've seen. We saw so many last year, though, so I don't want right. to exaggerate. But this was, a, you know, this was a lose in all phases of the game loss. Uh, and, and in such a complete and total way, uh, begs the question, what, if anything, are the Patriots? I mean, again, defense did some things, but again, a 75, 75 play drive when you absolutely right. needed a stop, you know, kills you. So that's it. That's, that's the ball game here. The, uh, uh, you know, the Patriots, yeah, bad on offense, bad on defense, bad in special teams, uh, total failure, uh, just an embarrassing lopsided loss to the Saints. They look like they were outmatched, not ready to play, and they're taking steps backwards, it looks like, uh, Evan, right now, heading into a game that I don't think anybody really wants to see play out on the field the way this team is playing right now. So the this is what I'll say. The, the level-headed response to this game is that we're three games into a massive rebuild right on both sides of the football a lot of new faces a complete overhaul for the patriots in a lot of ways but the aggressive offseason in free agency with the first round quarterback the the level-headed response is to give the old relax but you know the aaron Rodgers special right and, and sit here and say let's let's all relax but what i'm seeing out of this team right now on both offense and defense that's more troublesome than any gap in talent that they might have against a particular opponent is just philosophically on offense and defense i'm a little bit confused as to what they're doing right I, I, entirely yeah, yeah. I, who are they and who do they want to be there's right. I mean, there is zero I, there's not even anything resembling an identity here right so i want to say level headedly that it's three games into the season. One and two is far from an insurmountable hole, right? They can easily turn this around. And in the past, the the Patriots have had slow starts to the season. But I sit here and I say, wow, okay, the offense that they're running right now is a training camp offense. These are plays that they run in training camp where there's no window dressing. There's no different looks. There's no unique packages with their new weapons. This is just straight football right 11 on 11 our guys against your guys and when you don't have a huge gap in talent when you're not way better than the other guys that you're going up against on the other side of the football you need some fluff from your offensive coordinator right you need some tricks you need some gadgets you need some gizmos you can't just go out there and line up five eligible receivers drop mac jones back to pass and expect to overwhelm the opponent with 07 randy moss because you don't have that guy on this offense so where is the misdirection where is the motion where is even play action or just deceptiveness or anything of that kind and tempo right right before the half they finally get into a two-minute drive and they go tempo and they actually move the football right and, and I just offensively I'm just really scratching my head as to what is jo- where where is Josh McDaniels unique right now with with his designing or play calling it's not just the play calling the situational play calls 
I asked Mac Jones in his post-game press conference about the red zone runs, and he took some of the responsibility for a few of those. He said, I changed the play at the line of scrimmage a couple of times when I shouldn't have, and I should have stuck with the original play. So maybe you can let McDaniels off the hook a little bit on some of those because of that. But overall, I just want to know from an offensive standpoint, where is this – where – is the exotic stuff, right? Where, where is the unique stuff? Where is the flair? Why well, I talked about motion. The Patriots are one of the te- least motion teams in the NFL pre-snap, moving guys around the formation, starting guys in motion, things like that. And we're not seeing any of that. We're seeing stagnant offense. We're seeing stagnant play calling. We're seeing poor situational play calling. And then defensively, you go into this game against Jameis Winston, who has been – an absolute pumpkin all year against pressure, right? Anytime he gets pressure thrown in his face, Jameis craters. And he had a passer rating coming into this game of 33.8, I think it was. I have to look up the exact number against the Blitz. And the Patriots didn't blitz him at all. So you, you face a quarterback that can't beat the Blitz. You decide not to blitz him. Right. And then you get into a third and seven with 822 left. The game is on the line. The offense finally wakes up and makes this a one score game. And they rush four. Jameis has all day in the pocket, and he makes a 12-yard completion and moves the chains, and they drive down the field for a touchdown. So what I look at now after all the offseason moves, after drafting the quarterback in the first round, after signing tight ends Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, all these additions is what is the coaching staff doing? Because I know that questioning Bill Belichick and and the Patriots coaching staff is seen as, as a little bit of a hot take. But you start to look at some of the things that these other teams are doing and you wonder just this looks very vanilla and and very just basic concepts from the Patriots. Right. I mean, it really is. You know, I I know we 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 joke, not joke about it. We talk about Belichick's, you know, first four games are kind of preseason-y sort of thing. And, and, you know, you don't start to see some of the stuff or what the team's going to be for a while. But. Uh, that's fine and good to play it conservative if you're executing in all phases, but they're not, right. they're, sl- they're sloppy as hell. Um, you know, all over the place from the drops to the penalties, Hunter Henry running 30 yards downfield before the snap, you know, right. on a, on a fourth. I mean, just some of this stuff is, yeah, you can play vanilla. You just have to, you gotta, you gotta execute it. If you are playing teams that you think are going to beat themselves, you can't be the one that beats yourself when you do that. Uh, they're not putting any pressure on, on teams offensively or defensively at all. They're making, they're, they're easy to play against right now, Evan. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. They're easy to play easy. against. Right? And the reason why they're so easy to play against offensively, especially is because what they're calling is so vanilla and so basic. And you look at some of these good offenses in the NFL, you look at the Kansas cities and the Tampa Bay's and teams like that, their hallmarks offensively are using all of the tricks that offensive coordinators and play designers use to give their skill position players advantages before the snap, right? Things like motion, things like play action, things that, give those guys opportunities to catch and run with the football at full speed. And the Patriots, the word that I would use for their offense right now, and not just because they can't move the football, but just in general, when you watch them play is stagnant, right? They they go out there, they run their five guys eligible out to their spots and they stand there and they hike the ball. There's no motion. There is no window dressing. There is no creativity. There's nothing. It's just stagnant. And if you're going to be that type of offense in 2021, unless, like I said, and like you said, you have overwhelming skill talent, you're going to be a lousy offense. There's no way that you can be a good offense like that unless you're running out Tyree Kill and and DK Metcalf and five great receivers and a good quarterback and a good offensive line. Your execution has to be flawless for you to play like that. And especially when you have a rookie quarterback – it's just a really tricky situation to be so vanilla. Yeah, and again, you're at, they can't be flawless because they barely know one another. They're really still getting to know one another on the offensive side of the ball because Mac didn't really rep with the starters. You had uh, Henry was limited. Aguilar was limited. So there's a lot of stuff out there. And then Jonu Smith, uh, you know, absolutely, absolutely, I mean, he's obviously target number one, I think, for a lot of Patriots fans sure. today. 
and 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 justifiably, I mean, this guy's supposed to be a playmaker here. Uh, you know that that play to start the second half was one of the least athletic things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, I mean, he just fell over himself. It looked like he lateraled it to the receiver. I mean, it was, I, I mean, it was just awful. So you you're not getting anything out of anybody right now, and 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 that's the thing. And I, what we're gonna keep coming back to is, is it. Play calling scheme design. Are these guys not that good right now? And then just, I mean, it looked like even when Mac was pressing it downfield, he was throwing to guy. A lot of those were 50 50 balls. He was throwing yeah. to guys who were covered. Not a lot of really open, open guys. And again, I'll always defer to you with your vantage point from the press box there. You're able to see the entire field. I don't know what Mac was looking at. We know for one, the entire first half, the pocket was collapsing instantly. He had people in his face before he even had a chance to get his feet set. That's hard for any quarterback, certainly one who can't escape the pocket like Mac can. I thought he did a decent job hanging in there and, you know, moving within, you know, a collapsing pocket, if sometimes outside yeah. of it when he needed to. I'll give him uh, props for that. But it didn't look like, you know, he could find anything. He, they, I mean, they couldn't get anything going. No, there wasn't much down the field open Nothing. from my original view of the game. But I would say that in a couple of instances, there was stuff open down the field and the pressure took it away uh, from Mac. He actually dropped a really nice pass into Johnny Smith along the sideline. That was Johnny's first drop, right? It, the yeah. pocket was totally collapsed on Mac and he tear dropped one into Johnny Smith anyway. And I thought Smith had a pretty good chance to catch that ball and he it did. goes off his hands. Really, if you want to nitpick Mac's performance today, I, I it felt to me there, there are two things, right? One, he said after the game that he checked out out of some uh, passing plays into run plays in the red zone. Specifically, I asked him about the third and one. He didn't directly reference that, but when you say I could have stuck to some calls in the huddle, the original play call and not gotten too cute with it, it felt like he answered my question about the third and one to Bolden that maybe that was Jones's decision to check out of that play. And you did see the helmet tap and a little bit of cadence there before the line is, uh, before the ball was snapped at the line. Sure. And so maybe he did check out of that one specifically, but the other, there really isn't much to nitpick him about. I mean, the first interception, maybe you would like him to eat it, I guess, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. He steps away from pressure into pressure and what you're consistently seeing with this offensive line that speaks to the coaching problems that the Patriots are having as well is it's not the one-on-one pass rush situations it's the scheme pressures which I mean by that blitzes stuns picks twists all that kind of stuff that they're doing up front with the blitz all those types of things stand out to me as mental errors by the offensive line these are not physical errors that the offensive line is just not capable of picking these guys up right the 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 issues that i'm seeing are mental guys getting through unblocked guys not passing off stunts to one another right on the set on the first interception they run a linebacker d tackle twist up front and max steps up away from the pressure on the edges steps up into the pocket and david andrews and shaq mason don't pass off the stun so there's a guy he steps right into a hit right and that's when he hits the ball the arm and while he's throwing it and it's picked off so you look at those types of schemed pressures and scheme pressure packages by these defenses and they're having all sorts of issues picking up these blitzes and these stunt games and things like that and you you point again to who's coaching these guys right I mean what what's the situation here who who is getting these guys mentally ready for these these types of situations because I, I really don't think the offensive line issues are that physical like you don't just lose Trent Brown and one guy is a house of cards and the whole thing comes crashing down but I don't think it's unlikely I don't think anybody is playing at the level that uh that we expected them to I don't think Wynn has had a particularly good season obviously you've got the issue uh at the right tackle spot there and that's been a problem but it looks like it's kind of caving in from everywhere I yeah. you know I, I don't know if you're you know grading out lineman by lineman on all of their pass pro but um this is let's just put it this way it's a line when something is supposed to be considered a strength and it's a borderline weakness right now, it, I don't think it's all attributable to just one person. And that's very concerning because you couldn't check a lot of boxes on this team before the season began and say, we're good here. Okay. And I know tackle depth was an issue and it's already being strained early in the year. And right. certainly that's a problem, but the, the line is not 
it was supposed to be a top five line and it's not, uh, it's not opening holes uh, and it's not uh, protecting uh, nearly as well as it needs to. And that's definitely a concern for a quarterback who needs to be protected. He needs to have a pocket to throw. Yeah. And, and he's like you said, a, a pocket passer, right? This yeah. is not a mobile quarterback and not that oh, even mobile quarterbacks would necessarily do a ton with the pressure that he's facing, but in order to have Mac Jones succeed, he's going to have to be protected well. And right now what we're seeing is just a complete breakdown on the offensive line. And I come back to the first point that I was making was this is a lot of this to me with the offensive line right now is continuity, chemistry, mental type of issues, right? It's not one-on-one physical battles lost. And this is another unit with the offensive line in my mind that is underperforming. I think their talent is better than what they're performing at right now, especially the other four guys on the line. You can say what you want about the right tackle position, but Shaq Mason, David Andrews, Mike Onwenu, and Isaiah Wynn are solid NFL offensive linemen, yeah, yeah. And, and they're not getting it done. So it looks to me like this is an underperforming unit, which in that case points again, I, I think, to the coaching that they're getting, right? And we've talked about it a little bit, but... Oh, here we go. We we we, we made it four games without mentioning... Three games without mentioning Skarnacki, if you're going to do it here. I, I was going to do that in a second. I was going <laughs> to start with Cole Popovich opting out of the season, right? Yeah. Cole Popovich, Patriots co-offensive line coach, along with Carmen Brasillo, a couple days before training camp decides he's not going to get vaxxed and he opts out of the season, right? Yeah, right. And that, that will put all of it on... A, Priscilla's hand, uh, you know, shoulders. Then they bring in Billy Yates, who's an, a former NFL offensive lineman. Yeah. The Patriots players, the O-line guys, they've been heaping praise on Billy Yates, saying how great he is and things like that. And, yeah, you do talk about a couple of years ago. They got by without it at times last year, it felt like. But Dante Scarnecchia is retirement. And maybe you look at some of this coaching turnover as, as well, starting to – rear its ugly head with the Patriots is also because I don't think this offensive line talent wise is as bad as they're currently playing. And Ashton, that is a very good second guess three weeks into the season, right? You paying those three guys big money. You let Joe Tooney walk in the off season and you do wonder what, what would have, would this product look better if they had kept that interior three together? Now they tried to, to be fair in full, transparency they tried to keep joe tooney anyways right they had all this money to throw around and they tried to they tried yeah war with kansas city to keep joe tooney and and the money just got absolutely crazy so i i don't know if necessarily it was a lack of effort by by any means on the part of the patriots to keep joe tooney i I, i'm yeah and honestly i'm as certain that skarnecki is going to at some point rejoin this team in some capacity as i I, keep on pulling dante skarnecki out of retirement out of desperation because that's the first time too i am as certain of it as i am that david krejci is going to be playing playoff hockey for the bruins both of these things are are a done deal uh scar will be back at some point this season i guarantee uh so let's get into some of the the weapons uh here and this is uh this is going to be a well i i, I want to hit two things okay while we're on coaching i want to hit this first yeah uh, of all things right now you know i i think the person with the target on his back more than anybody is uh is josh mcdaniels yeah. um and I, I i just i can't figure it out i i you know and we've been trying since last week to figure out is it conservative because they're trying it's last to take year? That's that's it's the last thing. year. Yes, it's yeah. been, it's been going for a bit. But again, yeah. you assumed it was personnel limitations. You could only do so much, and you saw, you know, er, how many games last year early in games are they running gadgets? You know, because they right. knew they couldn't get anything going conventionally, and you're like, oh, you know, he's trying everything he can here. He knows they can't just go back there and just play and drop back and, and hit guys. Oh, it's just not happening with this team. But this year I understand it a great deal less uh, a rookie or no rookie. Again, I don't think Mac Jones is any worse than today. Uh, a, a starting NFL caliber quarterback. He's better than seven, eight, 10 people starting right now, even despite the fact that he's still learning things on the fly. So just play freaking football, you know, like right. I, that's, I'm so confused by what's happening uh, on on that side of the ball, I, I can't understand it at all. 
Yeah, yesterday my my lead in my mailbag was taking aim a little bit at Josh McDaniels because the point that I want to stress and hammer home is that we are going on 26 games, almost two full seasons of this, of this vanilla play calling, of this lack of offense since week 11, 2019. Back to Brady's last year. Right, right. Exactly. Which is halfway through Brady's year. Uh, last year, right after that Baltimore game, the Patriots head into the bye week. They come out of that bye week and they play Philadelphia and they put together one of the worst offensive performances that we've seen in the Brady era, right? And since in that 26 game sample, the Patriots are 27th in the NFL in points per game, 27th. So this goes back to seven games of Brady, 16 games with Cam Newton, now three games of Mac Jones, a slew of different skill players in there, offensive line, run game. All, they've tried everything, right? And we can only sit here and blame the talent and the personnel so much, right? We can only blame the players so much. At some yeah, point you've changed time. the quarterback and all the personnel on, on, right. on the offensive side of the ball and, and right McDaniels has stuff to work with now. And and that's what I keep on harping on last year in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Nelson Aguilar had 900 yards and eight touchdowns with the Raiders and that offense, Darren Waller is their number one, right? He's a great player, but that offense is not the 07 Patriots, right? They, They don't have skill talent all over the field. So it wasn't like he was wide open all the time because they were worried about other guys. Nelson Aguilar, 900 yards, eight touchdowns. Last year with Tennessee, Johnny Smith, nine touchdowns in the red zone. Last year with the Chargers, Hunter Henry, almost 700 receiving yards, six touchdowns. Kendrick Bourne, 650 receiving yards with San Francisco. These are NFL skill talent players. These are NFL pass catchers. These are not Demir Bird. This is not, you know, that Ryan Izzo. We're not in that category anymore. They have real offensive playmakers and they are not making plays. And at, at some point, you have to sit back and look at the offensive coordinator. But I'll, I'll go back just to be fair and be be impartial a little bit here to my initial point, which is the level-headed response is to re- remain patient with this, right? And sit back and say, in the big picture, this is three games into Mac Jones's career, and there's a really long way to go. But what I keep on harping or coming back to is that 26-game sample that I just mentioned at the the phil the philosophy of the play calling just is not that's the thing is it's it's, not just mac jones or the playmaker it's everything yeah you saw it with cam you saw it with brady you're seeing it with mac you're seeing it with different different backs different receivers uh you know it's uh, it's baffling at this point and again you're trying to resist hyperbole and trying to resist resist overreacting but at what point does a person who was a young innovative fresh play caller you you start to wonder is he does he need to change it up a little bit you know uh, you and, start and, to wonder because a lot of these guys not to cut you off but a lot of these guys John Gruden uh, Mike McCarthy in Green Bay they they burn out you know yeah. they, they they burn out and they're you can only be innovative for so long exactly right. like it's, yeah you you've only got so many good ideas at some point you wonder yeah. you need some kind of you know I mean this is why you see so many like high school coaches and college coaches kind of come into these coordinator type roles because they're doing different things and more innovative sort of stuff. And the Patriots are stuck in the mud right now with, and with the offense. Yeah. And early on in this game and look, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, only Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones really know if those play calls in the huddle were passes or throws, right? I have no idea, but in the right. first quarter, they're getting two high shells from the saints, which with the Patriots, especially when you get too high look, when you get those safeties both up and they're not, one of them's not in the box, that's an immediate check to a run, right? Yeah. They always, especially on first down, they right. always, always, always run it against two high shells. Today, they were throwing against two high shells, running against one high, right? It was all backwards, right? Yeah, it's almost and like maybe that some of that is on the, on the rookie, right? So maybe some of that is on Mac. For sure. There's, there's always that. I, I also always think, and this is, if you're going to talk about one particular, one potential knock on Bill Belichick, I always feel that when he goes against a high caliber coach who he respects, he sometimes outthinks himself a little bit, uh, yeah. in, in some cases too. That's happened in the past where it's kind of like, that's just what they'll be expecting me to do sort of thing. Um, and so just, you know, trying too hard to do the unexpected versus what's going to work in this situation. That's, 
been a thing before. I'm not saying that's uh, what happened at all today. Uh, and this could be on Mac checking into stuff or not checking into stuff at the line. So again, uh, it, it's hard, it's hard to say entirely. Uh, but let's move on because, you know, off the coaches and onto the weapons here. Uh, and what it's again, it's so hard. It's so hard to slice this blame pie because you're not sure if it's the O line, if it's a rookie QB, if it's a play calling. But again, you know, you went out and you paid for some playmakers. They have to make plays. You know, that's the point is when things are tough, you want these guys to be able to make a play, save you, do something. Certainly not the opposite of make a play, which is what John o. Smith was doing all day in critical moments. Uh, obviously, none bigger than that one in the second uh, to start the second half, which was, you know, just obviously a game defining play and, and one that it was, you know, almost impossible for them to come back from at that point, the way the offense was moving. So Kendrick Bourne was the first guy today to show some life, right? The 32 yard catch before the half, the touchdown catch later on yeah. in the second half in the fourth quarter, finally a guy that they assigned in the off season going out there and doing exactly what you just said, make a play, right? Just make a, a damn play. For exactly. Right. But you need it. Yeah, and Kendrick Bourne finally was someone that seemed to step up. And the one thing that I just will say from a personnel standpoint, it definitely felt like they were more successful. And I would have to go look at the numbers because this might be the case over the first three weeks of the season, actually, based off the eye test. They seem to be more successful in 11 personnel than 12 personnel. When they put both tight ends on the field, the, for whatever reason, it's not working. I, I don't know if it's a speed issue with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith both being a, a little bit slower for their you know bigger guys, right? I, I don't know if it's a play calling issue or they just don't have the package designed properly right now. I, I don't know. But whenever they've gone 11 personnel, they seem to have found more of a rhythm with the three wide receiver packages versus the two tight end sets. So maybe that's something that they found here at the end of the game. With Janu, he has always been a player in Tennessee that is essentially an H-back. I would almost call him a borderline gadget player, right? Somebody that is just supposed to be schemed and created opportunities with scheme, whether it's one-on-one balls down the field or things behind the line of scrimmage, screens, slide routes, bootleg actions, you know, things like that, right? Leaking out into the flats and running with the football. And what I have seen them do with him for the first three weeks of the season is really turn him into more of a traditional wide tight end. And I just don't think that that is his game. That that's what Hunter Henry's game is. Right. And if you need that role and you're going to go 11, then maybe put Hunter Henry into that role and only bring, but you thought he's more the Hernandez here. He's Johnu would be army knife specialized type of player. And I think they're still tinkering with the ways to figure out how to use him properly in the offense because I asked Johnny about this during the week and I said you know how much how many conversations do you have with Josh McDaniels how many back and forths do you have with Josh McDaniels about okay I'm not really good at this but I'm good at that right or put me here but don't put me there And, and feedback from the player right and he went on this answer about how smart Josh McDaniels is and how he doesn't need his input and he's just here trying to fit the Patriots mold, right? He's trying to put himself in the Patriots offense instead of changing the Patriots offense to fit him. Well, it's Josh McDaniels' job to change the Patriots offense to fit the personnel that he has out on the field. And right now, I think they're putting a round hole in a square peg at times uh, with, with John, or opposite of that, right? Uh, with Johnny out there, just trying to turn him into a more conventional tight end when in reality he's a do-it-all type of player, right? He's somebody that should really have the ball in his hands and run with it more than, okay, go – it's man coverage, go beat your guy on on a nice route or, or cross over the middle, fight through some contact, get the football and run with it like he did on the play uh, that they were trying to do on the play that he, you know, went, went to the pick six. Well, right? This is so, this is all fine and good, Evan. And, and I, I, your your assessment of of, of John, who, you know, and in, in, in the type of player he is and the type of player he needs to be for this team is, you know, is spot on. But what then you have to go back to the off season. Is this what you needed? Did you need gadget players? Is right. this, you know, you're addressing needs and this was your day one splurge. First guy I need is John U. Smith, which means you got to have a pretty freaking good idea what you're going to do with John U. Smith when he gets here. It means you targeted him and you thought he's perfect for this offense and you know exactly how you're going to use him. 
and then you go and do this and this is what we have and this is what sure. it looks like makes no sense to me so it can't be your a1a target and you're still figuring him out right now i you you know if you go back to and again this is obviously a trade but like in a west welker situation you know back in i this guy's perfect for us you know that right. that's what you're supposed to be doing is identifying needs not just saying let's just buy a bunch of guys because the ones we have now suck um so I, as the as the day one hour one moment one signing of this team, it's so bizarre to me that 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 they're that that this is what's happening with 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 Johnu right now. I thought he'd be, I thought he'd be the Swiss Army knife, but you, but he'd get the ball in his hands 10, 12 times a game uh, on a bunch of creative things, and as you said, maybe some some jet sweeps going across the field, you know, being able to run after the catch. I, I don't know what they're doing right now. That that's exactly it. Is you thought that what you're describing or, or what I would call scheme touches, right? Yeah, you exactly. Thought, you thought they were get creative with it and get move them around, run them wide right. in the slot in the backfield, lots of different things, you know, right. but again, hand in hand down straight tight end, get up and run and try to whatever. And it's just, it's not, it's not, I, it's not his game. And that's exactly what they have been doing with him. And it's puzzling. And this is what I come back to. And I, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for the players not executing properly. The catch that led to the pick six from Johnu. He's got to have that one, right? I mean, that's, it's not on Mc, it's not McDaniels' fault that that ball bounces off his hands and pops up in the air and lands in the lap of, uh, Malcolm Jenkins and he runs it back for a pick six, right? That, that's not Josh McDaniels' fault that the player did that, but putting him in a position to succeed is what Josh McDaniel's job is. And that's not necessarily putting Johnny Smith in positions to succeed. And I, I I hope that they found something with that 11 personnel package today in the second half. It felt like putting Kendrick Bourne in the game, going three wide and running with a little bit of tempo is something that they found to be successful and really led to that touchdown drive. And actually in the two minute before the half, that was all 11 personnel too. And they had some tempo to it as well, obviously in the two minute drill. So maybe that's something that they can figure out, right? Maybe that's something that they can lean their hat on moving forward. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know not moving around just a couple different things that uh, were of interest. And again, you know, this is game three again without seeing much from Aguilar. They took a couple of shots downfield. I actually thought the one that he had the step. Does that look like Aguilar needed to run to the hashes there? I, I, it looked like a miscommunication about the ball placement uh, when he had a step on his man. Again, I'm, I can't remember the exact situation, but it was that in the second quarter. Yeah, uh, he threw a deep uh, under pressure, and, and the ball just didn't go where – Right, Max so, you know, Max yeah. looking – and Nelson Aguilar's looking outside shoulder. But as a, yeah. as a receiver, you're not supposed to be – kind of run that one off as a post there towards the middle of the field. As a quarterback, you really want to try to get that between the hashes, right? Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought Mac put that in the right spot, but, I, I yeah, I'm not sure. I would have to go back and really watch it from the all 22, but by the look of it, watching it live, it looked to me like there was either no deep safety or the safety was elsewhere. The safety and, was not, had not re- reacted yet. It was, yeah. 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 And it hadn't come over yet. You could have thrown it to the middle of the field and still gotten away with it, yeah. but it might've been a pressure. It might've just been a pressure misthrow by Mac where he just got rid of it and it floated outside or it floated to that side and he meant to throw it outside shoulder. But so the, one of the bigger things that I'm, seeing with the Patriots wide receivers, which is definitely something that the Patriots asked their receivers to do a little bit more than maybe other teams, is read off leverage and break off leverage, right? And so last week this happened with Hunter Henry where he restacked the Jets defender and if he broke out on the corner route, he was going to dust the defender and be wide open for a touchdown and instead he broke inside and into the leverage instead of outside and that really threw off the entire play. The play with Aguilar down the field felt like the corner was sitting outside of him and he broke into the leverage instead of breaking inside away from it. So that is often easier in a lot of ways for the quarterback to read out than the receiver, right? Because the quarterback is seeing it from his vantage point, is able to see the body positioning of all the defenders. But yeah, breaking off of leverage has been a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a concern quite yet because it's such a, 
it is a learned skill, right? It is something that takes some time to develop, but certainly something that's a work in progress for a lot of these receivers. I, I also thought that there was an opportunity later on in the game where he did get it right and he did break on the post and Mac was sacked. Mac was eyes, his eyes were downfield. He's waiting to throw it and he just couldn't get it off. Yeah. He gets sacked. And the number that, you know, we harped on last week, the air yards, right? A 12.4 air yards per attempt for Mac Jones today. So almost double what we saw or actually almost triple almost triple what, what we saw last week so yeah. he was way more aggressive throwing the ball down the field and like i said yeah, they the, took shots like at aguilar they took a few this yeah. week so that's yeah. good again part of it is a time issue a couple of them are just a touch long um but definitely took a shot or two uh which is better at least because you're trying to incorporate him into the game doing the things that he does best so if right. you're going to take i i'll view this as a little bit negative and a little I'll, I'll view this in both columns you know you want to see more from Aguilar but at least they're starting to try uh to 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 get him the ball downfield and the air yard certainly uh was uh a little bit more encouraging I still think though through three games Mac has not thrown into the end zone um no and and maybe look I I don't want to you know take blame away from what I have been trashing McDaniels the entire show but I that quote that Matt gave after the game about checking into some run plays in the red zone, I think speaks to at least a couple of those run plays that they ended up uh, handing the ball off to Brandon Bolden. So yeah, Bolden in the game, I think from a coaching's perspective, you would think that that's a pass, right? You, you think you're going to throw the football with him. So what was going on with those back-to-back Bolden runs? My God, I almost forgot yeah. that. Yeah. So oh, hopefully, yeah. Oh, again, I, yeah, I, that's I, what I, I forgot. Say, yeah. I want to say hopefully that that was Mac. That was Mac, not that, that yeah. better have been Mac, not McDaniels. Right. And they can, if it was Mac, not McDaniels, then they'll fix that. Right. They'll, they'll be able to fix that. No problem. Exactly. Cause that, that's uh, you, you, Patriots Twitter collectively exploded on that second carry. Hi, Alex Barth. Look at this what a, guy. What, what a dickhead. <laughs> we can't say that. <laughs> can't say that. Sponsors don't like that. Oh, no. <laughs> He's getting me in trouble left and right. Classic. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- that's what we have on Aguilar. I guess that the, the other thing that happened was James White. Um, the way everyone's yeah. talking about him is like not only lost for the season, this could be the last snap we see James White play. Uh, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but everybody was very, um, upset and down and prayers up and, and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, it, the hip injury looked like one of those subluxation sort of situations, but you never yeah. know. Um, when, if, and when they get him back on the field. So that through like, first off, hopefully that ends up better, you know, for, for, you know, the, it's a, it's better than it looked, but he had to be carted off the field. So that's certainly not a good sign. What is interesting here was, uh, how it threw the whole kind of, uh, backfield into disarray. Um, you know, they did not get anything going on the ground early, but the, once white went down, Holy wow. Did you expect you'd see this much Brandon Bolden in this game? Uh, no. I, I don't fully understand that at all. So, and I understand you've benched yes. Stevenson because of that one fumble and you kneecap yourself in an injury situation because honestly, you would have liked to see Stevenson a little bit more in a game like this if he's ready, but he's got the skill set where he can be that guy um, here. And honestly, I, he has to be active in the next game, I would think, if if, if uh, White is gone. But a whole lot of Bolden. Harris didn't get anything going at all. Your leading rusher on the day was Mac Jones. So uh, this was a mess, uh, you know, uh, all, all game long in the backfield. You're going to hate what I'm about to say. Everybody's going to hate what I'm about to say about the Brandon Bolden snap. But you liked it. I didn't like it. But the answer is that they are more – confident in Brandon Bolden's I know, ability I know. to pass protect and hang on to the football than JJ Taylor right now. And we've, I'm, done this, guess, we've done this already, right? My, we've my guess is, is it's the pass protection, right? That that's probably the biggest one that stands out is being able to hold up in pass pro, especially when your offensive line's getting destroyed in, in the game, right? And you have another guy that can be reliable and stand in there and take a backer on in the hole or whatever the case may be. JJ Taylor at five foot five is not helping out the pass protection, right? He's a, he's a speed bump on the way to the quarterback. So I think that's the biggest thing that you look at with Bolden. Uh, now, did I think that he was great 
at in pass pro? No, I thought that there was some times where Holden <laughs> definitely missed uh, a few blocks here and there, or or didn't, wasn't the best yeah. overall. But the pa- pass blocker will, in name only, right? The the coaching staff will tell you that the reason why Bolden was in the game was because he's reliable, right? No he's doubt. somebody that they can trust. They did the. I feel like we did that reliable thing last year too, and it was very yeah. frustrating because you had veterans playing over younger, yeah. more athletic players who you'd want to see, uh, you know, get in on the action. And some of those players were playing out of position, being asked to do things they normally don't do. And in Brandon Bolden's case, it's carry the freaking football or or be part of the actual offense. If you're in there specifically to pass block, great. But incidentally, you're going to end up with the ball in your hands from time to time if you're on the field for that many snaps. And that's what happened. And he's just not a playmaker. And right now they're just wanting for playmakers and they need more of them on the field wherever they can get them. So I get the rationale behind it, but it's another kind of a a curious situation. Uh, So now, Evan, now. All right, we're talking bucks already. Okay, can we, talk, can we talk defense real quick? Just before no, we... fine. Defense was okay. You got 30 seconds. Defense. No, go ahead. Defense go ahead. held them in the game, 14 points, right? I, I, until the end of the game there. They kept the Patriots in the game. I thought Matt Judon, who has all summer long held this torch and has now continued to hold the torch into the regular season, the best free agent signing Bill Belichick made this offseason. Clearly. Matthew Judon, a great player, was great again today. Third and seven, 822, game is on the line. You get rushed four, you get nobody home, and they get a third and 12. They get a 12-yard completion on third and seven. They move the chains. That's when the game was lost. So, And on the big picture, right, macro look, the defense looks much better than the offense. The micro look is the defense still can't stop them when they absolutely had to at the end of the game. That's And, again, you know, so it's easy to point to the Damian Harris uh, fumble against – against Miami is the reason they lost, but ultimately that drive where they took it right down the field and scored was one where you got to be able to stop a team like that. And again, here, when you make this a one score game, you let them shove it down your throat uh, in in this game. Uh, And those two things uh, were the game in both cases. I mean, there's no guarantee that you're going to come back and score and get the two points here, but you gave yourself no chance. Um, So the defense did not step up when it needed to. And yes, we are now going to begin what is going to be eight straight days. John's favorite, favorite week of the year. You know, I don't like it because what are we going to talk about? Like there is no, what do you talk about even? How do the Patriots keep this a game? Yeah. I mean, so the, the, what's funny is based off of everything we know with the Patriots, it's very, it's very likely that it'll be way more competitive than we expect it to be because they'll figure out a way, but there's just no, vibe and no hype to this game other than I get to see my favorite player Tom return to New England you know like that's about it at this point um you know because what else are you looking for uh you're looking for a win you're not you're looking for the Mac versus Brady thing I I think McCordy had the best soundbite after the game like we're not good enough to be thinking about headlines or what anybody is talking about regarding this game and they're not like you could get excited if it was like okay Patriots are playing pretty well let's see this game right now it's just trepidation it's okay there's Tom Brady and he's going to come in and he's going to put up 70 points and it's you're going to as bad as you feel now I think Patriots fans are worried that they're going to feel a hundred times worse uh you know come Sunday night next week yeah, it's it's not a bad stance to take that the Patriots are simply not good enough to really get super hyped up about this game, other than Tom Brady coming back. Right, right it's hard it, to. It's, it, yeah. it actually takes a lot of the steam out of the out of the game. It does. Now, what I would look at this way, and something that I I wanted to hit on with Mac Jones today, the one inspiring thing about what I th- I thought Mac Jones did today was he showed some pretty good resiliency, right? He got killed early on in this game through his first uh, interception of his career in the NFL. And he did come back, right? He did punch back in the fourth quarter and showed some cojones there at the end of the game to, to make it a one score game. So how does he respond to a game against a really good opponent is going to be interesting. But overall, I think the best thing about the Bucks game for the Patriots is that they can sink their teeth into this defense that they have. And do they really have a defense that they can make a statement with, right? Because first three weeks of the season, the defense has been pretty solid. Right. And yeah, there was some situational stuff that we just discussed and the game close out type of situations against Miami and, and again today uh, against New Orleans. But overall, the defense has been pretty good. 
So now this is the ultimate test for the defense. Can I backtrack a little bit on the defense? What happened with the linebackers today? I I don't want – the Dante Hightower thing, I don't want to go there yet. Uh, It's three games in, and he came off a huge uh, layoff, obviously, with the COVID thing. So I don't want to go there yet. And my my – my optimistic view on Dante Hightower's snap usage today was that they are trying to limit his snaps so that they can get the best version out of Dante Hightower. Because maybe at this point of his career, he is not he's, a, he's 90, a situational player and not yeah, an every down player. He's yeah. not a 90% of the downs type of player. And if you play him on first and second down, then bring him off the field in passing situations. He wasn't playing third downs before the layoff, really. I mean, yeah. he's been he's been an early down player. At this point, He's he was a no-down player in some cases, you know? Right. So maybe that is the good news, or, or that's the positive spin about the Dante Hightower situation. The negative spin about Dante Hightower is that on tape for the first two weeks of the season and then probably out there again today when I watch it back, he has just not looked like himself. He looks slow. He doesn't slow look – out, no. out of not seeing it well either, right, which is not something that you would expect from Hightower. So that that's If you're that's bringing – uh, uh, someone signed off the street and they're playing meaningful second half snaps while Hightower's on the sideline. Again, we don't know the reason why, but if this is performance based, that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Juwan Bentley also might have left this game. Might have hurt. Yeah. I mean, with an injury. So we'll have to keep monitoring that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So both of those things are concerns on the defense, uh, for sure. Uh, I, I, I didn't hear Josh Uche's name called a ton today. He was uh, inactive. That's why. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay. I was wondering. I, I, yeah. I, thank you. I, yeah. uh, it, it's a lot of moving parts. I get it. I missed the Uche inactive. So I yes. was wondering what happened there. So they're behind. They were, uh, was that a injury inactive or was that yeah, a, so he, he was a uh, inactive with a back injury. And I, when I, when they came into the game without Josh, missed Uche, it, missed it. I, yeah. I I figured that Chase Winovich would step into that role and they wouldn't see a huge drop off from Winovich to right, Uche. Right, right. It did Uche through the first two weeks of the season, second in the league in pass rush win rate. Win rate. He's been very very good in the pass rush for the Patriots. Not very good run player. That's why he's not playing more. But in the rush, he's been particularly productive. And not having him out there. We might have felt it a little bit, especially with how uh, conservative yep, yep, yep. they were playing it defensively as well. And yeah, yeah. I, I think Kraft is probably a little bit pissed off. I, I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I think he's probably looking at his wallet and his in his uh, his bank statements right now, being like, "What the heck did we do?" Yeah. Well, this is a this is the thing. It's uh you know, and that's what's a little uh, you know, it's not just you know. This is the problem with Bill Belichick. He's two people. You can't separate one from the other. Robert Kraft can never walk in there and say, "Hey, Bill, still love you as a coach, but would you want to uh, maybe hand the plate, hand the uh, duties off to someone else?" Uh oh. Yeah. This is happening. <laughs> Thanks, sweetie. We we got we got uh, <laughs> Alex, people- my my child Alex Barth. <laughs> Here a second ago, and now she just wanted me to be hydrated. It's very sweet. That's she very saw nice. my water was out there, and she wanted to bring it to me. Thanks, That's Rosie. Very nice. Very nice. Didn't say a peep. That was that was as good as it's going to get. Very no, I, so this has always been the issue with with, uh, with when you're going to have that uncomfortable conversation with Bill because you know. Robert Kraft, very rightly, certainly after the, uh, you know, going back to the Bill Parcells and Bobby Greer situation with, uh, you know, you're going to let me, uh, you want me to cook the meal, let me shop for the groceries. Bill right. shops for the groceries. And Robert Kraft has learned a lesson, which is I'm the money and you are the guy. So here's do what you want to do and let me get the hell out of your way. But if one of the two isn't performing up to their up to snuff, um, you can't separate those. And that's what's always going to be awkward here is Bill Belichick has to excel at both things in order to continue to be successful. Or a lot of these guys who have both personnel and head coaching right. responsibilities. So at this point, if Bill Belichick were a rookie GM and had let Tom Brady walk or rookie, a third year GM who decided right. very boldly to let the greatest player in the NFL history walk and uh, had missed on a couple of drafts, and then spent all this money here, he'd be not just on the hot seat, almost certainly fired by the end of this year if it didn't turn around. And we're not saying it's there yet, but you would not have this much rope. Bill Belichick has as much rope as possible because he is who he is and the greatest of all time. And so, and 
He's been right way more often than he's been wrong when it comes to personnel decisions, but not right about a lot lately uh, on that, on that front. And this is a, the worst possible start given the fact that he had the money to do whatever he wanted this offseason. And these are the choices that were made. And right now it's not paying dividends. We'll, we might look back at this in a very much like, are you, are you ready to, uh, you know, evaluate the quarterback position sort right. of st- stupidity, you know, no, well, all due respect to Mike Giardi. But I mean, we were asking back then is Brady washed and not in the answer is no. Uh, so again, some of this might look silly a few weeks from now when everyone starts playing better and you start to see what this looks like. Right now, it's a, it's a horrible start. It's a bad start. And I, I still, my big picture takeaway from this game today and what I will continue to write until it turns around is that this is still more on the coaching staff, I feel, than the talent and the personnel. Because I look at the talent and the personnel, especially on the offense side of the football, and I go to the guys that they added on that side of the ball, and I look at their seasons last year with their last teams, their former teams, and yeah. all of them produced. Right, Hunter Henry put up numbers. Johnny Smith was a big time red zone threat for the Titans. Aguilar was a statistically a top five deep threat in the NFL with the Vegas Raiders a year ago. Kendrick Bourne was a nice role player for the. Well, San this Francisco is what's frustrating. This, this is, is what's... not. These guys are NFL caliber receivers. But this, right? this is what's frustrating, Evan. Is in, historically the Patriots have grabbed guys who are being poorly used other places and unlocked their potential here, saying, "No, stupid. This is what you do with this type of talent." You know, right. and we've seen it play out a lot, particularly guys who have high pedigrees who were drafted first and second round and didn't quite work out places, you bring him here and be like, this is what you got to have this guy do. He's got to be free. He's got to use it. This is almost the opposite. You're taking guys who have had some success, and instead of taking them, you know, in another direction forward, it looks like it's a step back, which yeah. is totally un- un-Patriots-like and un-Belichick-like because that's one that's been one thing he's been amazing at is, oh, you don't like that guy anymore? I, I know what I can do with them, and, and it's not happening here. The the, the- the seeds are being planted. Let's revisit this eight, 10 weeks from now. And if the Patriots are still looking like an anemic offense, despite all of these guys that they've added in the off season, then you don't blame this all on Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and, and Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, right? Look at the guys above those guys. They're the ones, the decision makers, right? The guys making the decisions, making the game plans, calling the plays. All of those guys to me are more on the, hot seat if you will right the perivable hot seat as we like to call it then Nelson Aguilar is or Johnny Smith is after a bad game today you have to start to look at did they make the right decisions in the offseason are they using the personnel properly those are the bigger picture questions that we're going to be asking if this continues and we see this 10 12 weeks from now as well and if we're still in the same rut offensively that they're in now then we're going to be talking about the decision makers way more than we're going to be talking about the individual players. And you have to think so. Uh, and I do think right now, you know, it, uh, the ire is split both places, but I think it's just, it's the two things we talked last week. It's frustration because it's been going on for a while and this dates back to almost the midway point of the 2019 season. Uh, and, you know, impatience at this point, it's just far longer than any Patriots fan has had to go, you know, watching a team not really be able to figure themselves out. Uh, I don't yeah. think a lot of the ire yet has fallen on Mac Jones. I do think the general vibe around Mac is while he's not perfect, he is doing the most that he can with a lot of situations, but you still want to see him play better. Um, mm-hmm. But he gets a pass because he's in the third game of his rookie uh, you know, of his NFL career, uh, straight out of college. Uh, so again, it's really hard to hold to a super high standard. The other guys and the coaches for sure, you're expecting more. So, um, you know, we didn't make this all about Tom Brady and Tampa. As I said, is I'm not super psyched about this preview because it's just going to be, Oh, remember how awesome Tom Brady was and did Bill make a huge mistake? And look, okay. this is, it's the scoreboard already reads Brady won Bill zero in a, in a, in a resounding way. There's no reason uh, to revisit. Like th- there's no reason to spend a week talking about it. We yeah. know what happened. Well, we will though. We will. Well, but we no, know we what happened. You won't necessarily, but the market it w- will. It will happen, but it's a yes. boring conversation. Yeah. He left. He won a Super Bowl. Brady won Belichick zero. Um, and it's going to be Brady two Belichick zero, most likely after next Sunday. And it is what it is. But you're not really going to know 
until years from now, whether or not, the, you know, the Patriots did anything that was, you know, and how Mac's going to be and how he's going to evolve and this and that. So again, uh, it's a silly conversation. They're going to play a really good football team quarterback by Tom Brady, and they're not playing good football right now. Should be a far greater concern for most Patriots fans than Tom's coming to town. Yeah, that that's, I'm very interested to see what the crowd reaction is all game. And is there any chance that there's more cheers for Brady in that game than the Patriots? There might be because at this point people are fed up. People yeah. aren't people aren't vibing Mac. Uh people are you know I mean they're they're supporting but uh the offense got booed off the field. You know the uh, yeah. a, a a Mac Jones quarterbacked offense got booed off the field and they are booing Mac and the coaches and the players and everybody. They're it's not good enough um right now. So Yeah, and I I feel for Mac because he obviously didn't he, – he could have improved on a lot of things out there today too. And I'm sure when I watch the tape back, there will be times where I'll say, just like I did last week, he could have made a throw here, he could have made a throw there, whatever the case may be. But overall, from what we saw watching it live, he – when he was kept clean and when there wasn't immediate pressure in his face, he did make some good downfield throws today, right? And he did try to push the ball down the field more than he did last week as well. So – I don't know. I, I feel like he took a step forward in a lot of ways today. The box score says he took a major step back with three turnovers, but ultimately I think Mac played uh, as well as, as he's played maybe in the first two games. I think Miami's still his best game, but regardless, he, he made some more downfield reads and downfield throws today than what we saw last week, which is positive, right? That's a great sign for the Patriots moving forward. But if they cannot protect him, then none of it will matter, right? If they can't keep him clean in the pocket, then he's going to look like this and not look like the quarterback that he's capable of being. And I, I, I put it so much more on the offensive line, and the pass protection than anything we saw from Mac. And again, I, and I'll put this one up here by Connor. I, uh, you know, just, it it's still I I don't like you know me Evan I'm not an excuse guy I think Mac's ready to play and I think he can do more and he should do more in some cases yeah. um and, and 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 it is what it is but at the end of the day my goodness gracious you know for for the Justin Fields crowd out there and again I'm going to put Evan and myself in that category for people who were desperate for the Patriots to trade up a couple spots and get Fields and were pretty bummed when it ended up being Mac um Fields. Six of 20, 68 yards today uh, against a very good Browns defense. But honestly, Fields looked like he'd never played football in his life today. Um, This was a confused person. He took nine sacks. Um, And again, Bears aren't very good. Cleveland's got a good uh, defense. This was awful. Trey Lance still can't supplant a very average Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing better quarterback than Mac Jones is currently, and Trey Lance can't get on the field in front of him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence continues to be extremely inconsistent, and Zach Wilson, you saw Zach Wilson last week. So again, this isn't meant to do anything other than to put some things into perspective less than to make excuses. Mac is actually doing a decent amount with a little right now, I think, because I don't like a lot of things. I don't like how the play calling, I don't like how the, the offensive line has been protecting him. Um, and certainly just the weapons aren't playing up to snuff fully. So yeah, um, and this, the, I see in the chat that we're having a Cam Newton, Mac Jones debate. As it's not well. a Cam Newton, Mac Jones debate. It, 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 That's it, also silly. It's, it's silly. And I, I always come back to with it with, with Cam versus Mac thing is, is this Cam is an 11 year veteran in this league. If you wanted me to consistently compare Cam, 11 year veteran to a rookie quarterback making his third career start, then you don't think Cam is very good. Right, because Cam should be light years ahead of a guy that's in his third career start. So I don't know. I, and, I don't know what we're talking about, guys. Cam Newton's unemployed right now. It's yeah. not a Belichick thing. I mean, there's a re- Cam Newton was unemployed last year. The Patriots, the only team that came calling. Cam Newton was a band aid, and Cam yeah. Newton performed admirably last year. Um, and it was not a very good team, and he had to do a lot all by himself. That wasn't that was a difficult year for him uh and they didn't give him much to work with at all so there's a reason why he got picked a a rookie picked over him there's a reason why he can't get a job right now there's quarterback needy teams right now there's injuries everywhere um 
it is what it is. Cam Newton is what he is, which was a Band-Aid or a stopgap until you found the guy you're hoping will be your franchise quarterback. It doesn't always work out that way. You could get a year, you could get two years into the Mac Jones era and realize this guy's not that great. And then you start shopping for another quarterback. But the point is you're looking for the next guy. You weren't looking for another season of Cam Newton, which is again, why I don't understand why this debate keeps getting had at this point. Because, because the Cam it's not one, it wasn't a one or the other. Fan. There was yeah, a new, yeah. there was oh, eventually, you're hundred percent right, but they, there's eventually going to be a, a, a quarterback of the future coming in whether this year next year or whatever that was always the plan cam newton was not the long-term plan so it happened this year now you have to see if you've got your guy and that's how it works i, I it's so you know it's overplayed it's, it's it's such a such a silly such a silly conversation yeah. to have you guys got to move on uh in addition to the return of tom brady uh next year may also mark the re- uh next week may also mark the return of Nikhil harry so everybody oh, get pumped. Yes. hey listen i I'm not gonna do it with Nikhil. I'm not gonna do it. I almost did. I almost thought about it, but I'll say this about Nikhil on a positive light because that's what I do with Nikhil. Uh, the Nikhil Harry that we saw in training camp, I think, can help this team if he plays the way that he did in camp, which was definitely more inspiring than how he played in his first couple of years in the league. Then, at least we we talked a ton about how they've tried to take some shots to Nelson Aguilar, but they haven't been able to, and maybe another big body vertical guy on the outside like Nikhil could open that up just a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to turn it around, but we have reached the, we have reached the point of desperation in this season already by week three, where we're hoping for Nikhil Harry to save us. I, he's not going to save us. He's not the guy. He's not, which is why you didn't want to say what you were going to say. I know. But, but when you look at, uh, I, an 11 personnel or three wide receiver package and it has Aguilar and Nikhil Harry on the field together, then I do think that that is a little bit more vertical based than maybe Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, right? When you have Myers and Bourne out there at the same time, you're, you're slow, right? You're just slow. And and if there's one, if there's a couple of guys that Nikhil Harry actually runs faster than it's Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers, right? I mean, he, he does actually move better down the field than those two guys. So, so so maybe, maybe it's the Harry versus Brady game. That's how it's going to be. built. no. (laughs) No, it's definitely not. Anyway, uh, we've been kicking about an hour, so we're going to wrap it here. Uh, but I appreciate everybody who hung out. Uh, and got angry with us and got angry at us. Uh, that's also allowed. Totally fine. Um, that's what it's there for. So, uh, thanks again. Uh, we will have some more stuff coming out on our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. If you haven't already, Patriots press pass on YouTube. We are so freaking close to 10 K subs and I want to get there. Um, you guys can help push us over the top. So please do, uh, you'll get Evans, uh, in season content, uh, as well as Patriots beat podcast, uh, and, uh, uh, other things, news, press conference, news and notes, uh, some more videos coming out today uh, after the game. Uh, what time are you guys tomorrow, Evan? Uh, we're probably going to do a Tuesday, but we're going to be on a Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon for Patriots beat. Yes. Okay. So uh, just to wrap it, pa- Patriots lose one and two. Uh, you've got Tampa uh, next week. Good and the, the Bucks are down 21 to seven early in the second half here. So we got an angry Tampa Bay. Team angry, ang- even better. Trap game. We 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 yeah. joked about it, Evan. That yeah. Tom Brady might have his, might actually have his eyes on next week a little bit. Yeah. But this is a tough. This is a tough one for them. Deshaun just got free by about thirty yards. Um, all right. So again, thanks everybody. We're gonna sign off. Thanks for hanging out. We love you guys. We uh, you know thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, keep it here for more Patriots coverage.
So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 